So good. So thank you so much for coming. Let's, let's do, a, do me a favor. Let's welcome those joining us online. We're excited to have you join us online and here in person. I just want to mention one thing, that if this is your first time, welcome. We're so excited to have you. And when you leave today, we have, there's a banner back there that says Next Steps. We have a table. We have a gift to give you, uh, to bless you. I think it's got several goodies in there, probably a coffee gift card. So good. Get you jazzed up and, and fired up for the week. That's my thing. I'm jazzed up today. <laughs> I am. I'm excited. Uh, you know, normally I, I, I give Pastor Paul a hard time, and I always say, gosh, man, you give me the hard ones to preach, anger and things like today, but boy, today I am super jazzed. I'm going to preach the fifth message and wrap this up, the we church, not me church, and I'm preaching on evangelism. I know, I know, I know y'all are as excited as I am. So I'm going to break down the, the five points of ministry that we talked about, or the five points of the me church, uh, or we church, not me church. Pastor Paul preached the first uh, week was on fellowship, right? It was a good timely message. Then discipleship, then worship. Last week, he covered a message on ministry, and today, I'm going to share a message on evangelism, evangelism. So evangelism, I looked up like what the, what the definition was uh, in, in the dictionary, and it's the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. How many of y'all feel like you're an evangelist? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to ask at the end of this message and see if the number of hands change. We got some evangelists. I love it. So the main objective of evangelism is to allow people who have not heard or not yet accepted the gospel, to give them the opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond to it. And, and that, that, that part that says, or have not accepted... That, that's a big one. How many, how many of y'all heard the gospel the first time and said, I'm all in, I surrender, I submit, I give my life over to you? First time. First time you heard the gospel. Hands. Not a single hand. Isn't that so good that it wasn't a one and done? That I didn't just hear the gospel, I didn't accept? Bummer. Missed my chance. No, that's not the case. Matter of fact, in my men's group this past Monday, uh, my buddy James, he, was, he, he had found a statistic that, which I think this is awful low, uh, like it takes hearing the gospel nine times before people accept. And it made me think about how many times I probably heard the gospel preached or spoken to me before I actually accepted, and I'm guessing in the hundreds, yeah. so, somewhere in the hundreds, uh, before I finally accepted. So I'm thankful that it's not just a, I heard it once, I didn't accept, so now the offer's taken off the table. We serve a gracious God, and he allows us to continue to be exposed to the gospel. So, so the verse 
The verse that I want to share when it comes to sharing the gospel is out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You're going to get questions. Now, I, I know I do, like at work or, or things like that, people that know me. And they're like, man, you're jazzed up a lot. And I'm like, yeah, let me tell you why I'm like that. Just had a conversation with a dear friend yesterday. And uh, he kind of made mention that I wish I didn't have to go through things because you don't, you don't go through things. You're just always joyous and you're always happy. And I was like, yeah, I don't go through nothing. But it made me reflect on God's goodness and what the gospel has done in my life because I go through things, right? We all go through things. But what I've learned is those things, those situations, those circumstances, God has brought me through them and strengthened my trust and my faith in him while I've gone through those to know that on the other side of this, I will be strengthened and my trust and faith in him will be stronger so that when the next one pops up, you don't notice as much, right? Like, and, and whenever he said, I wish I didn't have to go through things, I was like, I know, man, like I wish my car wouldn't have gotten stolen. I wish my truck wouldn't have died on the way with my daughters in the back seat. I wish, I w like all these things, I'm like, I'll go through some things, man. But the gospel and what Jesus has done in my life has transformed me and made me stronger to handle those things that I go through, right? And so in that moment, in that conversation, I was prepared to give an answer for the hope that I have, but with gentleness and respect. That's, I think that's a big, big key of that verse and when we go to share the gospel with somebody, right? Have you ever been uh, exposed or been a part of or maybe guilty of Bible thumping and hitting them with the, you're going to hell. There is truth in that outside of Jesus Christ, right? But if we follow what the verse says with gentleness and respect, that conversation looks different. Amen? So I'm going to talk about what we call the my circle. The my circle is kind of like the, the, the area that you spend the most time, your circle, right? The circle of, of influence around you. And that would be family, friends, and coworkers. Would you agree that you probably spend the most amount of time with that circle of people in your life, right? So that's probably, the, the my circle is where you probably have the most influence, the most influence. It's, it's I, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen with a stranger at the gas station or a stranger at Kroger or Walmart or 
five below because I spend a lot of time there because I have two young daughters that think, well, it's five below. We're not going to spend that much money, Dad. Well, when you start filling up the basket, it's not below five. That's not what... The... It is a good place. But, but, the, but the people that you have the most amount of influence are the ones that you spend the most time with. Because they get to see you on your good days. They get to see you on your bad days. How are you going to handle tough situations? How are you going to handle when maybe you lose your job? How are you going to handle when maybe somebody steals your car or your truck? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, fill in the blanks. How are you going to handle those things? Because your family, your friends, and your coworkers are going to see you on your best and your worst days. A lot of us spend more time with our coworkers than we do our family and friends. Amen? I look forward to retirement someday. So, it is good. I hear that. I got ways to go. So, sharing the good news of the gospel, right? Who, who all here agrees that the gospel is good news? Oh, yes. All right. Everybody agrees. Now, when I started where I currently work at Sam Tech, it's pretty awesome, right? It's a, it's a great place. Uh, they actually have like their own restaurant in the break room where everybody goes for, I mean, they do breakfast, lunch, and they even come in on certain nights and do dinner for the second and third shift. It's awesome. And so when I, when I got hired on there and, you know, you go through orientation and you're doing the tour, they take, they take all new hires through the whole tour of, of the whole facility. It's massive. But then after I was hired, my boss, who is now a dear friend of mine, he, we go to the break room, and they've got these machines. And you literally walk up, it's touch screen, and there's coffee, there's tea, there's hot chocolate, espresso, cappuccino, latte, like all these things, and you just press buttons. You can make it weak, you can make it medium, you can make it strong, you can do all these crazy things and hit a button, and I'm looking at the screen like, okay, where, where do we put the credit card? And you hit start, you literally get a cup of whatever you want from that screen for free. That is good news that I was ready to share with everybody else. Like, you, hey, now I'm brand new, right? So I'm going to people that are veterans at this place. I'm like, did you know they have free coffee and hot chocolate in the break room. You just push buttons and it comes out. I mean, that, I was jazzed up to share that. Or maybe, maybe I, I lived in Louisville, Kentucky for a couple years. And I had, uh, I think it was Geico maybe, insurance. And then I moved back to Indiana over here to New Albany and I get online to update my address, my insurance dropped in half. And I was like calling my buddies and people that lived in Louisville. I was like, you guys got to move to Indiana. Your insurance is going to drop significantly. Like it just, it happens. I don't know why it's so expensive over there, but it is. Or... 
You see an ad pop up on Facebook or, or whatever, social media, whatever, and, and Chick-fil-A's giving away free chicken mini biscuits in the morning because of, I don't know, a special day. That is news worth sharing. Right? Like there is no hesitation in sharing free coffee at work. There is no hesitation in sharing your insurance will drop if you move on this side of the river. There is no hesitation in saying the Lord is blessing us today with chicken minis. No hesitation whatsoever. You're telling everybody that you know. And if that is considered good news, and we all raised our hands when we said that the gospel is good news, why do we hesitate to share that? Mmm, I know, I stepped on my own toes. But it's the truth, right? We can share about free coffee and free meals and cheaper insurance, and it's just easy there's no hesitation. There's no reluctancy. We just do it. But when it comes to the gospel, we pull back, right? We don't get as jazzed up about it necessarily, depending on the situation. And so I ask myself, why do I hesitate? Am I mostly fear, right? It, it mostly revolves around fear. Fearful of their reactions. Fearful of rejection. Fearful of, I don't know exactly what to say. Fearful of, what if they have questions and I don't know how to answer? Or, maybe I'm too busy. Right? How many of y'all are busy? Well, I'd love to stop and tell you about the gospel, but man, I'm in a hurry. There's free chicken minis at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so let me tell you, let me tell you about sharing the gospel and, and the best way that I've learned for me to share that is sharing how the gospel has transformed and changed me my testimony, and my story. Because you know what? People can't really discount or discourage or say, that didn't happen to you. It did. And I can share with you what God has done in my life through Christ when I submit and surrender my heart and life to Him. Like, this is what has happened. I have peace that I didn't have. I have hope that I didn't have. I have salvation that I didn't have. Right? They can't tell me otherwise. They can't, they can't tell me otherwise. And when you think about evangelism or the title evangelist, do you think of an individual? Right? Like, we all know some evangelists, right? Billy Graham, he was an evangelist. There's a lot of people when you think evangelist or evangelism, you go to a person. Does everybody agree with me pretty much? Well, evangelism isn't just for the individual. 
we, the church, not me, the church, should evangelize, right? People need to see the gospel in action, not just words, right? And because if you're like me, words are easy to speak, but your actions are what's stored up in your heart, right? Like I can tell you all day that I love you. I can tell you all day what Jesus has done in my life. I can tell you, tell you, tell you, but once I speak that, you're immediately going to be watching to see, hmm, I want to see what changes really happened in this dude. Like I can tell you that I've got a membership to the gym, but unless you see the fruit of the action that I put in, you're going to think, well, let me tell you a funny story. This just came to my mind. When I was up in Indianapolis, there was a little gym. It was, it was not like a big Anytime Fitness or Planet Fitness. It was just a little gym. And my pastor uh, and I were up there on the treadmill. I do not call it the treadmill because I dread it. We're on the treadmill. He's here. Here am I. There's these two senior adult men. They're in their 80s. It's awesome that they're even on these machines, like amazing, right? And I hear them talking, and they're always jawing at each other and jabbing at each other. And the one guy, it was like they were one-upping each other with their stories. It was awesome. And he was like, oh, I've done this for this long, da, da, da. And the guy's like, yep, I've been coming to this gym for 34 years. I don't know. It was a big number, right? And the other guy said, I'd probably ask for your money back. So you can say things, but your actions will prove the validity of the things that you've spoken. Amen. So going back to the church, we the church should evangelize. Jesus said the one thing that would distinguish us as Christ followers would be our love for one another. He says it in John 13, 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As a church, that's what we are called to do, to love one another. So why is that? Why is that? Because genuine love is the only thing that can not be successfully counterfeited. You don't need God to build large, impressive buildings. You don't need God to get people to come to church. You don't need God to sing hymns or listen to a sermon. You don't even need God to live an upright moral life, right? Like, I know plenty of people who are not Christian, who do not follow Jesus, and yet they live an upright moral life. They do good to others. They don't cause harm. They're not evil. But, but we do need God. We do need Jesus Christ to truly love one another. When we've got that, when we've got that true love, that's a sign that something real is here, that God is here. It's a witness to the world of the power and authenticity of the gospel. 
Genuine love and forgiveness between Christians is evidence of God's presence. Evidence that's more potent and persuasive than miraculous healings, than speaking in tongues, than supernatural signs and wonders. And this kind of love takes a church. You can't do it alone. There has to be at least two of you. Right? The church isn't a hundred of people. The church can be me and Jimmy. Like, we can be the church. Right? It's one thing to love an unbeliever. It is. But it's quite another for them to come into a church gathering on a Sunday service or a potluck, or a church picnic, or a small group meeting, and see not just one person, but dozens or even hundreds of people who love one another with a depth and sincerity of love that goes beyond mere friendship. How do they see it, though? How do they see love? Well, by the way we treat one another, by our conversation, our tone of voice, our facial expressions, by how we listen, by how we respond when people wrong us, by how we respond when someone in the congregation is in need. They can't see our heart, but they can see what comes from our heart. Amen? It goes back to not just the words. The words of the gospel are vitally important to speak and to share. But more importantly, when people can come in and see the church and how the gospel works as a church, mm, that's when you're going to see lives transformed. I've got several scriptures here to back what I just said. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love. Right? That is the gospel. Christ came down from heaven to live on this earth out of love. He sacrificed himself, went to the cross, was crucified, love. Was buried, rose again, ascended into heaven, love. Right? It was that love that led the apostles to preach the gospel. And they, the thousands were added to them daily, right? It says in Acts that thousands was at, were added to their number daily. That's love. 
right? The gospel does more than just make you feel good. It does more than just give you your path to heaven. The gospel, when it truly saturates and consumes your heart, leads you to love others, and that's the gospel, right? We, church, not me, church. We are the body of Christ together to work as a whole to witness and evangelize to a lost and broken world. It is. And that's what we are called to do as the church. That when people walk in here on a Sunday service, or somebody joins your small group, or somebody comes to your summer fun picnic with inflatables, and they see how we, the church, love each other, mm, that's the gospel in motion. That's the gospel in action, not just words, right? And that's what sets us apart. Because they, they, hear, they hear about the gospel often. I know I did. I heard the gospel, like I said, maybe a hundred times. But when you see the gospel in action, mm, that's what causes you to want to dive deeper and ask questions about how, right? How do I get the gospel? How do I receive the gospel? And then ultimately, how do I share the gospel? How do I live out the gospel? It's so good. So when I asked earlier, how many of y'all are evangelists? Let me ask that question again. How many of y'all are evangelists? Amen. Amen. Let's be the church that's called to evangelize. Let's be the church that loves each other. Let's be the church that allows love to cover a multitude of sin. Amen? Because none of us, none of us are exempt from being hurt. None of us are exempt from being outcast. None of us are exempt from being judged or looked down upon. But we, the church, impacted by the gospel, are called to love one another because that love is what covers a multitude of sin. Amen? So today, today maybe this is your first time hearing about the gospel. Maybe today is the hundredth time that you've heard about the gospel. This is what evangelists will call an altar call. I'm going to share the gospel with you in a way that, that you can accept and allow the gospel into your life, into your heart, so that you will be transformed and that you have the gospel to share with others. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Dear Lord, I know that there's nothing that I can do to right the wrong except 
God, I accept what your son did for me on the cross. God, I accept the forgiveness that comes when I give my heart to you. God, I accept the gospel of your son, Jesus. I surrender and submit my life to you. God, have your way in me. God, I pray that you save me, that you save me from my sins, that you save me from the separation from you. But God, that when I accept the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, my relationship with you is made right. Not only do I have eternity in heaven with you secured for eternity, but also, God, that I may be a light to this lost and broken world, that I can go out and share the gospel, not just in word, God, but action. God, I pray that we, the church, come together in love to live out your gospel. God, we love you so much. We are so thankful that you give us the opportunity to surrender to you, to live a life devoted to you, to live a life that is able to impact those around us, whether it's in our circle, our family, our friends, our coworker, or it's the stranger that we meet on the street. God, allow us to be the gospel shares that you've called us to be. Allow us to be the evangelists that you've called us to be. God, thank you so much. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.